Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How are you this week? I'm doing well. Had a great 4th of July. It was a little wet in uh, Tennessee. Was yours okay in North Carolina? It, it was very, very nice. We had some town fireworks on Sunday night, so then uh, Monday was just kind of a low-key uh, time. The Finns were in town, so oh, yeah. we had some had a, a wonderful time visiting with them. And then um, I did fulfill my regular yearly tradition. The kids came in, sat down. Everybody sat through the reading of the Declaration of Independence. Um, they did not. They did not love it. But later, when we talked about it, they could tell me a few things. So it's working. That's good. We even posted the uh, the audio of that, uh, not of the one from this week, but I, right. I know that Lizette, our, our good friend Lizette Beard, has audio of you saying the Declaration of Independence. So. And let me just clarify, when I sent that to her, which was about three, four years ago um, as a recording, I never intended for that to be posted on SoundCloud, so that was just kind of a, a little added. It's a bonus. Device. You're it's right. definitely she a bonus is, for me. She does that every year. I, I don't have a problem with it, but it wasn't like I wasn't doing it for posting, but she, she seems to like sharing that with others. So She also has a good, uh, you know, a Get Well Soon little song that she has she on does. her SoundCloud account. She, she does. Everyone should check out her. Yeah. And anyway. then uh, we watched the, the fireworks on PBS in D.C. The fake ones. There was some controversy, yes. Um, I actually wasn't that bothered by that. I mean, obviously, it was... You're watching them on TV, so do you really... I mean, does it, you really yeah, don't have any room to complain, do you? Yeah, and I know it was... La- I know they spliced in last year's, but you know, after a while of watching this year's Under the Clouds, you were kind of happy to have you know see some really pretty ones. Um, so we just had a nice time. Yeah, you're sitting, great. you know, you could be sitting, you know, 2,000 miles away watching something on TV and you're going to complain because it's, you know, right. not exactly... What you know, big deal. Yeah. It's it's so. fireworks on TV. We had our fireworks show in Mount Juliet on Monday night. Very nice. And that makes for a very long night with little kids. So yeah, yeah. Especially if you have to go back to work the next day. Yes, and uh, which my wife did, and I did too. But now I'm in Chicago, a podcasting conference, having a great time. So it's been a good week. Hope everybody had a safe fourth. Uh, started the day with ten fingers. Hopefully, you st- ended the day. Uh, with 10 fingers as well. Also this week, Amy, we debuted our new email feature, DataPoint. Yes. That went out on Tuesday. So I know, I know we've got a, a quite a few uh, people signed up for that that are going to be getting those every week. So uh, i got next week's already loaded, ready to go out. It goes every Tuesday. So get in and put in your email. It's right there on the, the website, right there in the sidebar. Or you can go to sbcthisweek.com slash DataPoint and fill out uh, the, the quick little uh, submission form there. Put your email and your name in there, and we will get that to you every Tuesday. And also want to thank this week's podcast sponsor. It is sponsored by Southeastern Seminary's new GO certificates. GO certificates are specifically designed to equip leaders in the church with valuable training for all people at any level of experience. This program provides sound teaching with practical application in an efficient format that can begin at any time and will fit even the busiest schedule. Southeastern wants to prepare all church members to grow in their knowledge of Scripture and to live out the Great Commission wherever they are. Start today and go with Southeastern. For more information, visit sebts.edu slash go certificates. All one word there. So uh, thanks again to the Go Certificates for sponsoring this week's episode of SBC This Week. 
All right, so let's jump into the news. Uh, not a ton of stories this week, but a few really big ones. First, uh, let's look to California. There is a story that has really been brewing. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet, uh, but I think it's time. Yes, uh, religious liberty is in danger at uh, the, uh, the college level. Uh, Senate Bill 1146 affects any post-secondary educational institution that receives or benefits from state financial assistance. And uh, basically it says if, if this passes, it would impact as many as 42 institutions. And, and basically says you cannot require uh, one of the fo- or any of the following, a profession of faith by students and faculty, standards of sexual conduct, policies on restrooms and locker rooms based on biology instead of gender identity, integration of faith in curriculum, or chapel attendance. Basically taking a a Baptist or, you know, could be a Catholic institution and saying, you can't be who you are based on this, this rule, this law. And here's what's incredible about this. It's so overreaching. I mean, so the, the standards of sexual conduct, the policies on restrooms and locker rooms, this is not a surprising thing. We're, we've seen these types of things coming, but, um, profession of faith, integration of faith into your curriculum, if you're a religious institution, I mean, that's that's part of what we do, chapel attendance, things like that. It's, it's the biggest thing we've seen. Yes, and, and it, this would not affect Gateway Seminary. They fall into right. an exemption uh, because they are a ministry training seminary, but at the same time, California Baptist University, they would be dead in the crosshairs of this bill. Yeah, they would, and so that's one of our, our uh, state colleges, universities, and then Biola University, which is not uh, affiliated with the state convention, but it is an evangelical college. And we have uh, some good friends there. Some of our closest friends actually out at Biola have been there for a while. He teaches uh, theology. And so uh, we're certainly thinking of of them. And uh, this is just, this is really tough. And, and I think it also just demonstrates a picture of uh, what may be coming in some other states as well. Yeah, there are religious liberty questions and uh, legislation issues across the country, this just being the biggest and the latest. Uh, So we will keep an eye on Senate Bill 1146 out there in California and kind of keep up on this story because if this passes, this could be extremely damaging, like you mentioned, to Cal Baptist, to Biola, and to several dozen other religious and faith-based institutions out in California. Yes. All right, Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means. CP. All right, we are 5.22% above the projection at the end of the three-quarter mark of the fiscal year. So nine months into the 12-month fiscal year, 5.22% up. Yes, and 2.88% above the contributions received same time frame last year. So not only are we ahead of projection, we're significantly ahead of where we were at this time last year. This is a trend that we continue to see. We talk about this, obviously, every month whenever uh, this comes in at the first of the month. So always good to see. I know we've been above 6% recently, so we're moving back toward the budget mark, but still way ahead of where we have been in the past, like you mentioned. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Three more months to go. I have a pretty good feeling about uh, us ending above budget projection for the fiscal year. Yeah. One thing that may pop up in people's minds is what happens as it's over yeah. the budget. What what do we do with that surplus? We throw a big and party. S- <laughs> yes, we do. Well, and also... With the, bu- with the surplus money, right? Is that... Yes. That's what we do? No? Yes. Have a big parade. Yeah. Um, no. In, in many ways, it just... It's it's very similar. Whatever, um, whatever surplus is, 
51% of that overage goes to the IMB. Other entities, they get their percentage amounts, and the SBC operating budgets uh, portion is reduced to 2.4% of any overage. So it's not like... Yeah, their extra share goes to IMB. Yeah, so it's not like there's this huge overage, and so then it goes into a pot for later, or like you just said, there's a big party, anything like that. A bonus like for that. Frank Page. Yeah. No? Yeah, nothing, not nothing that. like that. Okay. Nothing like that. So um, still, any overage, over half of it, goes straight to uh, the International Mission Board. So that's just a great, uh, great piece of information to have educating ourselves. All right. Also released this week was video highlights of the Southern Baptist annual meeting in yes. St. Louis. It's about a 20 minute video and it only takes about 10 seconds in the video for Amy Woodfield to make an appearance. Oh goodness. Yes. And I was mortified by one thing in that video clip. Chewing gum. Yes. I Oh my goodness. So now everybody I, has to go watch it now and see Amy I know, chewing gum. And I and and for the record, if anyone sees it, let's just go ahead and lay it out. My mother was horrified by that. Yes, so she's already chastised you. Yes, she has. So I just had a cup of coffee and had some gum and they called us up on stage. I wasn't, you know, thinking or preparing for that. And I went on stage and not not thinking at all, just stood right there and there I am chewing my gum. So uh, just one of those moments where you're trying to be professional and then you look later and see you were not at all professional. And you were even recognized too. I mean, recognized by name, not yes. in the video, but while, you know, while you were on stage. While yeah. chewing gum. You know, when I realized it later, I thought, well, at least there weren't a lot of people in there, maybe at the time. It's not like this will be on camera or anything. Right. And then it was on camera and now it's on the recap video. But I loved every minute of it and I enjoyed the recap video. I watched it today. It's got, it's just a, it's a great flow. It just kind of goes through and hits a lot of the high points um, of everything. Great music in the background that kind of keeps the momentum. So they they took 17 hours, put it in a 20-minute highlight reel. I thought it was great. I really, uh, re- really appreciated it. Yeah, included all the high points, uh, many of which you heard here on our recap episode. Uh, we pulled the audio from uh, James Merritt's speech from the floor in support of the Confederate battle flag resolution. Uh, that was uh, one of the highlights in the video. Also, uh, you know, every entity head, we heard from every entity head in the video, as well as some highlights from the panels, from the, the convention sermon from Ted, Ted Trailer, from Dr. Floyd's presidential address, from the, the Tuesday night prayer meeting. There's a lot from the Tuesday night prayer meeting in there. Uh, yeah. So for those of you who uh, didn't make it to that, you can, you can see that as well. So you can still watch the entire convention if you want to watch the full 17 hours of proceedings. Uh, yes. That is still online. Uh, but you can also catch the 20-minute version as well. And by the way, when you go to sbcannualmeeting.net, it defaults to the current one. Um, it'll it'll have like yeah. slash SBC 16. If you go in there and you change it to 15, you actually can hit the archives like yeah. of the other other ones as well. Um, so I I have used that myself, gone back and, and watched things. Yeah, and they do a good job breaking it down session by session and, and even component by component in the sessions. So yes. you can go and yeah. find something rather easily. You can. When we had our, our uh, class here on campus and I was with the students a few weeks before we left, I w- did that exact thing, went to the motions just so they could kind of get a feel for what was happening. So this highlight reel, I hope it pops back up next year. I think it would be good uh, to just build some momentum to try to encourage people to come to Phoenix and to participate uh, because it really captured the spirit of the week. Yeah, it did. 
So check that out. We got a link at sbcthisweek.com for that and all the other uh, stories we've covered. And finally today, the registration is open now to preview LifeWay's 2017 VBS. The annual preview events will be held in Ridgecrest, in Fort Worth, and in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Uh, you can register for, at LifeWay.com slash VBS. Next year's theme, Amy, is Galactic Starveyors. Wow. I think, I think we made up that second word there. I don't think Starveyor is a thing, but... You know, it's VBS, so we can we can do maybe that, right? it'll maybe it'll be the word for next year, like selfie and you know things like that. Maybe you guys invented a new one. That maybe that would be kind of cool. Huh. You know, we'll a new see. word in the Oxford Dictionary, thanks to Lifeway VBS. That'd be kind of neat, actually. So, question because yes. this is one of the things that I enjoyed when I worked at Lifeway. So there are these preview events. Did you have the special chapel where they uh, brought out all the VBS stuff? I, I don't think we do that anymore. What? We've never done that since I've been at Lifeway. I, I'm not quite sure. what Chapel has changed. Amy Thompson's in charge of Chapel now, so Chapel is, is not like it used to be, Amy. Well, there used to be a VBS preview Chapel, and that was one of my favorite. Yeah, we don't do chapels. that. They so still the, do the, uh, the video shoots and everything like that. I've got to get my kids in those one year. Um, yes. But I just haven't had a chance to. School starts so blasted early here in Tennessee. And they right. usually do those in, in August. Uh, we'll have to check that out. But uh, the 2017 VBS theme, uh, you can check that out, all the information. Uh, those preview events start in January. Uh, there's a couple in January. Actually, all three of them are in January. So check those out and uh, catch one of the preview events in a uh, an area near you, Ridgecrest uh, in North Carolina, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, probably on the campus of Southwestern Seminary, and in Hendersonville, Tennessee, I'm guessing up at Long Hollow, uh, it may not be at Long Hollow, but it's somewhere in Hendersonville. Uh, but you can find out all the information about those preview events at lifeway.com slash VBS. Fantastic. All right. Before we get to our interview this week with Christian George from Midwestern Seminary, uh, we want to remind you again that this week's episode is sponsored by Southeastern Seminary's Go Certificates. Check those out at sebts.edu slash go certificates. And now our interview with the Spurgeon Center curator, uh, Dr. Christian George. Joining us today on SBC This Week is Dr. Christian George. He serves as the curator of the C.H. Spurgeon Library and as an assistant professor of historical theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. Thanks for coming on with us today, Christian. Thanks, Jonathan. All right, now, every time we seem to talk about Midwestern here on the podcast, we always mention the Spurgeon Library. It is an absolute crown jewel in the SBC. Uh, give us a little bit of kind of the history, what led it to coming to be at Midwestern, and then kind of what led you to coming to Midwestern to be its curator and, and kind of the guy and all things Spurgeon at Midwestern and really in the SBC. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of a long story, but uh, at the beginning of it is the very simple fact that God has been drawing the lines to converge uh, at a particular time and a particular place uh, for me. It's, I've always been astonished at how God knows the future, and uh, he's in the future, and he's pulling us toward himself. Uh, I very much felt that way when I went to uh, St. Andrews University in Scotland. I did my Ph.D. on Spurgeon and his Christology, uh, but I had no idea that God was uh, putting together a, a Spurgeon library in the future and really just this surge of uh, Spurgeon interest in scholarship. And so uh, I graduated uh, uh, from University of St. Andrews. Then I went to Oklahoma Baptist University for three years. I taught there, uh, all the while working on a, a project uh, to publish the Lost Sermons of Charles Spurgeon. 
which thank the Lord is coming out next year. Um, it's a 12 volume critical edition of his early works. Uh, but kind of long story short, uh, in the meantime, God had been raising up um, Dr. Jason Allen uh, from Southern to come and uh, administrate and be the president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. So Dr. Allen needed basically a Spurgeon guy, somebody who had studied Spurgeon um, to come and curate this library that uh, Spurgeon had given, Spurgeon's descendants had given to the Missouri Baptist Association. So the history of the Spurgeon Library is that in 1906, Spurgeon's two sons, Thomas and Charles, sold their father's library of about 6,000 volumes. And by the way, many of them are heavily annotated. Uh, he sold it to the Missouri Baptist Association for exactly one century, for 100 years. It, uh, it was kept at William Jewell College in the Curry Library at the bottom floor. And uh, in 2006... Uh, Midwestern purchased the library uh, in a blind auction. And so Dr. Allen has been here for, uh, I think, about three years, and so he needed someone to come give traction and feet to this vision that God had given him and the administration to have a permanent location for Spurgeon's works. And so that's basically what the Spurgeon Library is. It's a, it's a world-class, state-of-the-art uh, research archive uh, that, that contains Spurgeon's original books that he had in his library. Yeah, and I've been there, and it is phenomenal. You guys just did a great job. It is really a showpiece there. And and it's not just the library. You've got a, an entire wall, a timeline of Spurgeon, and, and everything that he did. I mean, it, it's not just a bunch of books sitting around. I mean, right. like, you know, because people think, oh, the Spurgeon Library, it's just a bunch of his books. No, I mean, y'all really have taken this and made it a showpiece. Well, one of the things we wanted to do is not only have a location for Spurgeon's books to be kept and preserved for, for posterity, but we also wanted to tell Spurgeon's story, and uh, he has a remarkable story to tell. You know, here you have uh, a, a Baptist preacher who published more words in English than any Christian in history. You have someone uh, who preached, oftentimes in his early ministry, ten sermons a week. Uh, someone who uh, who had never had a moral failing in his ministry for his entire life. And just someone we can uh, look up to and model our identity around because he models uh, the identity of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, we, we're trying to tell that story here in Kansas City. And we're doing it in several ways. Uh, as you mentioned, we have a timeline. Uh, the only one in the world that I know of. And we also hired a Romanian artist to come paint for us kind of key moments in Spurgeon's life. So we have uh, his conversion. We have his uh, baptism and the the time he preached to twenty three thousand uh, people at the Crystal Palace, just key moments in his life. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. I walk through the front door of the Spurgeon Library every morning, and uh, on the the door is glass, and on the door there's a kind of a frosted seal, um, and it, it's a reminder to me, and it's a reminder uh, to my assistants and the students who come in here that you know we don't just look to Spurgeon. We look through Spurgeon. Uh, I don't think Spurgeon would be uh, pleased with, and he wasn't in his own lifetime, uh, with people worshiping him and even preaching his own sermons. Uh, he walked into a church uh, once and heard his own sermon being preached, and he was very gracious, but he... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something that would happen in the SBC. Well, maybe so. Um, I mean, that's how good Spurgeon is. You can, you, know, you can preach his sermons, and people can be blessed. 
And uh, but you know he would he wouldn't be honored with that. Uh, he wouldn't be pleased with people worshiping him. In fact, you know a denomination Jonathan actually almost started called Spurgeonism. Really? Yeah. And uh, you know he got wind of it and shut it down. Wow. Uh, it, it is amazing we don't you know drive down the street and pass First Baptist Spurgeon, Second Baptist Spurgeon, as we would say a Wesleyan church, something like that. Hmm. So we look through Spurgeon to Jesus Christ, and that's kind of the heart, that's my heartbeat, and that's the heartbeat of this library. Uh, we have pastors who come, uh, we give tours to congregations, and, uh, and as a seminary, Midwestern has kind of wrapped its identity around this great Baptist figure uh, who points us to Jesus Christ. Now, one of the uh, questions I asked you recently, we, we had a chance to visit uh, when I was up in Midwestern last fall, was why the kind of renewed sense of interest in Spurgeon? I mean... He's he's one of the heroes of the faith for many, but it seems like we've seen more interest in him recently than, you know, there was maybe a quiet period, I guess, you know, for that hundred years or so since his death. Uh, but now, I mean, it's he's one of the central figures in many pastors' life, uh, you know, just in his, what he's written, his his words, his sermons and everything. And, and now with the library, it just seems like there's this, this convergence of interest in Charles Haddon Spurgeon. You know, it's a great question. Uh, you know, we didn't think that the 20th century completely ignored Spurgeon. In fact, you know, just yesterday was the 124th anniversary of his death in Mentone, France. And uh, I was just reading one of my colleagues posted um, B.H. Carroll's eulogy of Spurgeon. And so Spurgeon was popular in the 20th century. But I believe that with the, the rise of, of the age of information and the Internet, that there is a, po- a great possibility that Charles Haddon Spurgeon will be more popular in the coming century than he was even in the 19th century. Mm. And uh, he was the most popular preacher in the 19th century, uh, even in places like Orthodox Russia. You know, people were reading Spurgeon sermons. I, it was very interesting. That this is a um, kind of a side bit, but uh, did you know that in Australia, I, I just discovered this a couple of days ago, an escaped convict murdered a man, uh, and on that man's uh, body was a sermon by Charles Spurgeon. And this escaped convict, this murderer, uh, picked up that sermon after murdering this guy, and uh, God used that, that sermon, uh, that blood-stained sermon of Spurgeon's for his conversion. And so it's just amazing what God has done uh, with this preacher. And you're right, today uh, he's continuing uh, to use Spurgeon to, to enhance his kingdom and give him glory. I think one of the reasons why he's so popular today, I think there's probably several reasons. Number one, there's, there's a kind of uh, resurgence. You know, I don't really know um, a, a better name for it than a, a kind of um, awakening among younger generations of Christians, people who are um, reading like Jonathan Edwards and the Puritans, people who are picking up John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, people who are reading uh, Luther and Calvin. And so I'm very encouraged to, to see this, um, this kind of, uh, you could call it what Colin Hansen calls it, kind of a young, restless awakening, but it's broader than just the SBC. Um, and I, and I, I sort of think that um, Spurgeon is the right kind of person um, at the right time uh, to, for everyone to start reading. I mean, his words are uh, deeply saturated in biblical theology. Uh, he's about as tweetable <laughs> as you can possibly get. I, I, would, I would bet he's the most tweeted uh, historical preacher on the Internet. And, uh, I mean, he doesn't need the full 140 characters to get the gospel across. <laughs> 
And so I really think it's a convergence of things. It's a perfect storm. It's people uh, going back in order to go forward. They're going back to the past to see what God has done in history uh, in order to move forward uh, and avoid the past of the mistakes, the mistakes of the past. And I, I also think that uh, the way he writes, that his style, it's his succinct ability to communicate. You know, Helmut Thielke, the great German theologian, says that Spurgeon loses little over time. And uh, he said that in 1961, and I think it's true uh, for 2016. So if, uh, if, if somebody's listening to this, they're going to be in Kansas City, maybe they're coming to catch a Royals game this, this year, uh, and they want to come and see the Spurgeon Library, w- what do they do? Absolutely. Uh, go to our website, SpurgeonCenter.com, and you can find information about how uh, to go about uh, coming and seeing us, uh, scheduling a tour. Usually Tuesday and Wednesdays are best. Um, check out our website, um, that sort of thing. We're in the process of digitizing our collection uh, for scholars and, and, that, and uh, people interested in studying more about Spurgeon. Or just pick up the phone and call us, and we'll be happy uh, to arrange a tour. All right, well, Christian, thank you so much. And uh, how about in closing, give us a challenge, uh, maybe in the words of Spurgeon, uh, for the, those listening at home. And, 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 you know, and, and as we, we kind of look forward to what God is doing in our lives, in, in the denomination, in the SBC, uh, what would Spurgeon, you think, what would Spurgeon say to us today? Yeah, absolutely. How about this quote? Uh, do much, very much, all you can do, and then a little more. All right. Well, thank you so much, Christian. Appreciate the time that you've taken out uh, to, to join us today. And I, I'm dead serious. This is one of the most impressive things that you will find in the SBC on any SBC campus. Uh, folks, go check out the Spurgeon Library. Thank you, Jonathan. All right. Thanks for that uh, interview. I have seen pictures of the Spurgeon Library. It looks beautiful, uh, but what, uh, what interesting stuff they have going on. That's you've got to get up there, Amy. You and Keith have got to get up there. So that's what I hear. Uh, I don't know how or what you know will bring you to Kansas City, but you got to go see the Spurgeon Library. I could have a trip. I could see the Spurgeon Library. I could get some really good barbecue. And I used to be when I was a kid. I loved the Kansas City Royals. Big fan. I was a big fan of George Brett. So I haven't been to a Royals game in years, and they're kind of a big deal right now. Yeah. Yeah, see, there you go. You need to, next year, instead of going to Canada for your anniversary slash birthday slash whatever, you need to go to Kansas City. Anyway. All right, well, that'll move us into my favorite part of the week, this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, we're going to go back to 1965, and this uh, actually is a time when the Southern Baptist Convention was addressing issues of religious liberty, but really seemed to be focusing in a different direction. This was the time Lyndon Johnson was president. He was passing, or he had just passed, the Elementary and Secondary Education Act of 1965. So this was kind of his big, uh, the big thing to distribute funding uh, to schools, uh, to school districts who had a lot of students from low-income areas. And it was really to try and help uh, with government assistance. So there were, you know, sort of all these issues, but there there was a piece in it that kind of addressed private schools and how uh, eligible how certain private school students um, could be eligible. And this was a apparently a huge concern for Southern Baptists at the 1965 annual meeting. So there had been uh, there they had passed a resolution, and they were concerned about church and state 
relations. So they were talking about how education was moving toward a practical monopoly by the state, charity and public welfare being preempted by the state, um, things like that, that, that the churches were supposed to, to be doing some of these, these functions and the state was moving in. So they had resolved that Southern Baptists would maintain their traditional position on the separation of church and state by having a free church in a free state and that we would reaffirm, you know, actions of Southern Baptist conventions in the past who were concerned about relations with the Vatican, things like that. So this was issues where they were actually worried on the other side, saying we want to keep things very separate, not necessarily for protection, but because of concern about, um, about the state kind of stepping into these things. So in addition to that resolution, um, Robert Crady, a messenger from Ohio, had made a motion about this, and he moved that the SBC send a telegram to the Commissioner of Education with a copy to President Lyndon Baines Johnson, and that the Baptist Joint Committee on Public Affairs would um, convey deep concern, and so that we would say in this telegram, we are concerned that proper safeguards be taken to assure that provisions of this act are not used to open the door to violations of separation of church and state. Separation of church and state is a corollary of religious liberty and guarantees that all churches shall exist on a voluntary basis with no church receiving special privileges. All churches must remain equal before the law. Um, God created man a free moral agent with the inalienable right to choose to serve God or conversely not to serve him. This God-given right must not be abrogated. In other words, the American taxpayer must not be taxed for religious purposes. The tax structure or any legislative body of this country must not be used to support any religious ed- educational instruction and that the Joint Committee on Public Affairs proceed with investigation and communication in any other church-state areas. That was the telegram? That was the telegram. That's a lot of dots and dashes. It, it is. That's a lot. So. Did they send uh, it by Western Union? I, I do not know. That's a great question. So we sent a telegram to Washington, D.C. So a few weeks later, President Johnson wrote us back. Wow. He wrote us back. But he asked his assistant to take care of it. And the letter stated, the administration shares your dedication to the preservation of the traditional relationship between church and state in our society. That clear protections of this tradition are embodied in the education bill and in committee reports. They're drafting regulations for this law to safeguard, things like that. Um, the The Office of Education responded as well they you know and so they addressed the letter to the secretary of the convention and said the president appreciates the concern the southern baptist convention has expressed in this important matter so i was just kind of fascinated by this we've had a lot of discussions about religious liberty this one i think it it was dealing with a few different issues and concerns um, but it does remind us that this has been an important thing to all of us for a very long time. And in this case, uh, we were kind of writing letters back and forth with the President of the United States. And he responded in 1965, this week in SBC history. Wow, that's kind of cool. Maybe we can get Steve Gaines to send Barack Obama a telegram about uh, the Secretary of State and private email servers. I, yeah, I got, I got nothing. I got nothing. 
But it's interesting, and it, it said in this story, so I had to do some digging. I saw this story in Baptist Press, and then it said um, it, it said that that we sent this telegram and that that the SBC had adopted, like it was adopted by the convention. So they had passed this resolution, but the telegram was in the motions. Um, so I went back and, and read the minutes from that meeting, which, goodness, they met for a long time. We think we do lots of business. <laughs> You're having well, years we've past. talked about that. Yeah, with the, um, just tons of stuff. You know, 27 resolutions and things like that with, you know, just meeting after meeting after meeting. It just lengthy, lengthy meetings. In, in yeah. Past, so. Now, and here's just, just another... Just imagine how long that video clip would have been. Yeah, that would be crazy. So this was the Lyndon Baines Johnson edition of Baptist Press uh, in 1965. So just just very interesting. That's fascinating. So he wasn't the one that we had the uh, the riot or whatever at the Baptist meeting. Was that that was um, Truman, wasn't it? We yes. We that one before. Yeah. Yes, because he had... I think in Texas, it was, a, it, was a, right. it was a riot in Texas. That's why it keeps getting me confused with Lyndon Baines Johnson, but it was Truman. Right, so. and I think he said a couple of not-so-nice words. Yes, I remember that now. Kinda, yeah, kind of nice. So, we, so it's funny because we've had some, We in our memories, we have relationships uh, with certain presidents or interactions with presidents, and we've had uh, SBC presidents go and meet with the President of the United States, so we do that, but... These interactions going way back, they're just fascinating. And I love these old Baptist Press articles because it just, you get to see how they were experiencing these things while they were happening. Yep. And we got an update from last week's This Week in SBC History. So I guess last week in SBC uh, History, Luke Holmes uh, updated us on the, the Scat Pack scat uh, from pack. last week. And it basically, the Scat Pack was a fraud. That is basically, okay, so according to popular of- science. I was kind of suspicious that it probably was, but I thought it was really cool that this pastor in the Ozarks was, you know, inventing stuff. Well, it, it wasn't. I, I see. It wasn't a fraud. It just didn't work. Right. Like he said, it did. But he said that it did. So maybe it worked for him. Yeah. Maybe it did. I don't, I don't know. know. So, but yeah. So Luke, he got the uh, the Getty CD. I'm going to send that to him when I get back to town. So thank you, Luke. Thanks for listening, Luke. We appreciate that. That's Luke Holmes up in Tishomingo, Oklahoma. Uh, thanks for listening, Luke. We appreciate it. And thanks again, Amy, uh, for this week in SBC history. I'm going to send a telegram to the president this week. I think, uh, I wonder if, can you even send telegrams anywhere? They stopped doing that. Didn't they? A couple of years ago. I think they stopped doing I, that. I don't know. I have never sent a telegram. Mm. All right. Well, we'll just have to go with the bananagram maybe. All right, that'll move us to resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is related to mine, I believe. Uh, God, the Trinity by Malcolm Yarnell. That is my resource of the week. Uh, Malcolm's got a new book out on the Trinity. There's quite a discussion going on in academia and even into uh, the rest of the SBC about the Trinity. Uh, Not really rooted in SBC, but we are involved in that uh, quite deeply. And Malcolm Yarnell's got a new book from B&H called God, the Trinity. So check that out. We got a link to that at the website. And Amy, your resource of the week is? Yeah, my resource of the week is a blog. It's called Secundum Scripturis. It's Biblical and Systematic Theology According to the Scriptures. And this is a blog of uh, Matthew Emerson. 
um, who is a, a professor at Oklahoma Baptist University. He also has a PhD from Southeastern, so he's one of our graduates. Luke Stamps, uh, who is at California Baptist and uh, was a, a PhD grad from Southern Seminary. And then Luke Wisley, who um, is also one of our MA graduates. Uh, he's studying at Cambridge right now. So uh, these three uh, these three guys, they, they do this blog together, and it focuses on uh, biblical theology, systematic theology, hermeneutics, all of these things. Uh, it's been going for a little while, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because, as you just mentioned, there's a major discussion happening around the Trinity. And some people may have seen banter about it on social media, articles. I would not even begin to try and explain it here. I have no uh, credentials to uh, to discuss this or to get into to all the the details of it, uh, but these guys do, and they have worked very hard to try and lay it out, explain it without kind of getting into uh, get, getting into lots of different sides and, and things like that. They've shown tremendous respect uh, for those involved, and so. If you're seeing things about it, if you're not really sure, check that check that blog out. Secundum Scripturis, uh, we'll put a link in the notes. So that's my resource of the week. Very timely opportunity to educate yourself. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of SBC This Week. Uh, we'll be coming to you next week again. A little bit different probably next week, though, because, Amy, you'll be in Canada. Yes, getting ready to uh, leave the country for a little while and uh, headed up to the Maritimes for some nice uh, 